Um, it's really a, a pleasure to be here, and I forgot this. Thank you very much. Um, it's really good to be here, uh, to worship together with you, to enjoy uh, the worship and to share. Um, as Pastor Al mentioned, you guys uh, pray for us. So I just wanted to share a little bit of some of the things that God has done. Um, last year, I gave out prayer cards with these six young ladies. Uh, uh, these ladies have, uh, were trafficked in Cebu. Uh, the Sisters of Good Shepherd uh, run a rescue program. They go to the bars and um, hotels and clubs and uh, encourage young girls to come out of uh, the prostitution industry. And uh, these six girls are in the Good Shepherd home, and um, they have uh, entrusted us with their education. So we do their education full time. And um, last year, we started with these six ladies. And um, at the end of the year, four of the six passed their uh, equivalency exams. Um, three of them went from about grade four uh, to the high school level. And one went, from, or one went from grade one to the high school level. Uh, two went from grade four to the high school level. And then one girl went from grade five to um, she's a, she can enter college now. So we had four out of six pass their equivalency test, and we were um, tremendously blessed. The year prior, um, they did not pass any of their girls. So we were um, just thrilled to death to, um, what God's doing in their lives. Um, so this year, we have six more. Um, some have moved on. Some are going to college. But these six ladies will be taking a test. They don't schedule things way ahead of time in the Philippines, so I don't even know when, but just pray, uh, pray for them. Um, but God is really working. We had eight girls in the school this year. Um, one has already uh, passed the high school test, but she was staying with us to study to prepare for college. Uh, and another one just came in at the end of the year. But um, God is doing good things, and um, it's just amazing what he's doing. Another praise report. These four ladies um, were in our tutoring program, and all four graduated with a degree in education just this past month. So um, I met most of them. In 2006 or 7, they did math problems in my living room on the floor, and now they're college graduates ready to begin their teaching careers. So, um, and two of them uh, probably would not have been able to uh, study without our support. Um, so it's really been a blessing to see them uh, go to the level. And they also um, all are really uh, active parts of our, our church, our fellowship. Um, and one more, this little guy here, Jason, uh, I met in 2006, and he uh, came to our tutoring program. His family was quite a bit of struggles, um, but he was really faithful and came on staff with us and um, really became an uh, integral part of our uh, tutoring staff. And he just recently, um, about four or five months ago, um, became a part of this Compass Education, which basically they go to kind of the prestigious private schools there in Cebu and do teaching like with Legos Robotics and things like that, which are programs the schools don't have themselves. So he was able to get hired from the experience he has with us. Um, he actually, um, I think Mike Lee donated some Legos Robotics stuff, and we got to use it over there, and now this guy's got a job. So, um, And that's also a job that's at a little bit of a higher level, not like rich, but above kind of a normal college graduate. So we're really uh, thrilled with that. And he's also growing in the Lord and walking in his faith. So this morning, um, I put some pictures here. As you look at these, what do you notice? Kind of the common thread. Most people are kind of, all right, they connected to some music, all right? 
And so why are they listening to music? What effect is it having on them? You know, you look at different people, what's going on. Some people are, you know, trying to, you know, relax or, you know, just long day of work coming home on the subway or just trying to escape, get away from what's going on around me, right? Some people are just, you know, chilling, happy. Um, and some people are worshiping God. But music has this kind of a profound effect on people in different places. And if you look at um, music, there's really kind of an unexplained power of music. All right? um, Arthur Clarke wrote a novel called Childhood's End. And um, in it, um, there's these overlords. All right? And the overlords were a, a group of highly cerebral alien beings. Curiosity brings them down to the Earth's surface to attend a concert. They listen politely and patiently, and at the end, they congratulate the composer on his great ingenuity, while still finding the entire business unintelligible. They cannot think what goes on in human beings when they make or listen to music, because nothing goes on within them. They themselves, as a species, lack music. The overlords are perplexed. What an odd thing it is to see an entire species, billions of people, playing and listening to meaningless tonal patterns, occupied and preoccupied for much of their time by what they call music. And he's just illustrating kind of this mystical quality of music. And so we would say the question, where did music come from and what exactly is its purpose? Um, music was created by God and its beauty brings honor to him and brings glory to him. And um, this mysterious power of music has been recognized through the ages and in all varieties of cultures in our world. Many philosophers have called, the music, called music the language of the soul. And as we read earlier from Ephesians 5, Paul says in uh, verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that Paul here encourages us, he actually commands us, sing, speak to one another, sing uh, these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And it's interesting, at the beginning there, he contrasts getting drunk with being filled with the Spirit. All right? So, you know, we're... Like, why, why, I'm not sure uh, if you thought about it. Why does he choose to make that contrast? Well, when the disciples first uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit, everybody thought they were drunk at Pentecost, right? Um, but being filled with the Spirit and getting drunk are kind of alternatives that people choose when they're stressed or have a lot of problems, right? Some people, when they're stressed and they have a lot of problems, they go drinking. Other people are stressed and have a lot of problems, they pray. So there's just kind of this thing where people run to one thing or the other, right? Um, both of them make a person feel more comfortable and lose their inhibitions. You know, when we interact with other people, often we're scared to say what we think or we have something in our heart. When people get drunk, you start to hear what's really going on inside of them. And when people are filled with the Spirit, they also are going to be more willing to step out of their comfort zone. They're going to be willing to say things that they might not normally have the courage to say. They have a pr profound but opposite effect on the way people speak and behave. Too much wine slows or distorts our thinking, but the Holy Spirit gives us power, love, and self-control. So it's kind of an interesting contrast that he gives there. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, one thing is true. We will overflow. 
If you're drunk, everyone around you will know. And if you're filled with the Spirit, the people around you will know. They will notice because it will overflow. And Paul suggests that the overflowing that comes from us is this, these spiritual songs and hymns, and he uses these different words, but the idea that somehow music will flow out of us, all right? And I just want to talk a little bit about music, all right? How does music affect us? Well, music connects us at a deeper level than the cognitive, all right? You notice when, you know, people listening to music, whatever, sometimes they might start to cry or feel some stronger emotions that can be explained by words or by science. Music impacts your emotions and can change your mood. Many people are listening to music because they're, they're upset, they're bothered, they need something to, to lift their spirits, or they need something to express their anger. But music impacts our mood. Music can be therapeutic. It can bring healing. Um, the, a therapist, uh, Oliver, Oliver Sacks, talks about um, his experience with one of his patients with advanced Parkinson's disease. He says, music was as powerful as any drug. One minute I would see her compressed, clenched, and blocked, or else jerking, ticking, and jabbering, like a sort of human time bomb. The next minute, if we played music for her, all of these explosive, obstructive phenomena would disappear, replaced by a blissful ease and a flow of movement, as suddenly she was freed of her automat automatisms and would smilingly conduct the music or rise and dance to it. And music can bring freedom to our hearts that can be um, constrained. Music creates associations with life events, almost bringing you to another place. I'm sure that um, many of you have a song that might bring up a memory of a place. Many couples have this song, and when, when that song comes on, it just it brings you to a time and place other than the present. Music unites a group and connects us with people who may be very different from us. The Super Bowl halftime show has become the apex of world marketing of a sport that doesn't even have universal appeal. And how has that happened? Through the music. The music show, or the halftime show of the Super Bowl, brings together one of the largest television audiences in the world and unites people from all over the world. They're interested in how does it do it through that power of music. Um, Anthony Storr, in a book, Music in the Mind, writes this. Um, All societies, uh, as a primary function of music, is collective and communal, to bring and bind people together. People sing together, dance together in every culture, and one can imagine them doing so around the first fires thousands of years ago. The primal role of music is to some extent lost today, when we have a special class of composers and performers and the rest of us are often reduced to passive listening. One has to go to a concert or, or to a church or to a musical festival to recapture the collective excitement and bonding of music. In such a situation, there seems to be an actual binding of nervous systems, the unification of an audience by a veritable neurogamy. And the idea that as we were together, that our minds and, and we become one through music. And this is a secular source, a secular idea. And finally, uh, music sh uh, shapes your thinking. It renews your mind. Modern entertainment industry is based on this. They are trying to shape our thinking in all sorts of ways. And advertising uh, jingles use this to just kind of overtake us. But music shapes 
how we think. And I'd like you to connect this idea to spirituality. Music connects us at a deeper level than the cognitive. Music goes down deep into our souls. Music impacts our emotions and can change our mood. There's this idea that music can renew us. I know for me, just being in worship this morning, there, there's a sense of renewal that comes over my heart. Um, our weeks are difficult, tiring, work, school, responsibilities. And to come together and to worship, we can be renewed by music. Um, music creates associations with life events. And just think of our spiritual journeys and the role that music has played in that journey. Music unites us together. Um, I was in the, uh, the Chinese service, and they were singing songs. And you know what? I can enjoy those songs. I don't know one word of what they're saying, but I can enjoy those songs because the music brings us together. And it has this power to unite people who cannot even speak a word to one another. It's deeper than just the cognitive. And again, music shapes our thinking. It renews our minds. So this is why we use music for worship. It's powerful, and it does so many things. Um, worship expresses worth, what we value. As we worship God, as we sing uh, music and songs to him, um, it's really expressing his worth. Worship makes God's presence manifest. Uh, we know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. But there's this... Something goes on as we worship God, we become more aware of his presence. He's always there, but we're not always aware. We're often more aware of what's going on around us. What are other people thinking? What are people saying? What's going on? What's the news? What's the latest? And we're, we're kind of plugged in and here and there, and we're really not so aware of what God is doing. And music has a tendency to pull us away from the worldly things and to make us aware of God's presence. And we also see that through worship that God fights for us. There's a few stories in the Old Testament where the Israelites were placed in impossible situations. They were going to uh, battle with Jericho, which had these impregnable walls. And what do we do, God? What can we do? And God says, oh, just, just march around and, and shout and sing and play those trumpets, and I'll knock the walls down. And in Exodus 17, they were fighting the Amalekites, and they were overwhelmed. And God said, you know what, Moses, you just hold up that staff to the Lord. You hold up that staff, and I will fight for you. And the Israelites saw the, the tangible evidence of God working on their behalf as they worshipped. And the same was true in the New Testament. Paul and Silas were put in prison. And it, the scripture tells us that at midnight in prison, what were they doing? They were singing. Their backs were bleeding. They had been beaten. And it's midnight, and people are trying to sleep, and they say, hey, let's sing some songs. And they didn't sing those songs. It's not because, oh, God had given them for me. You sing the songs, we'll make an earthquake, we'll get you out of here. They were singing because that's all they had to do. And there's this place in life where we come to, where we have struggles and things going on, things that we cannot do anything. We don't have answers. We don't have uh, uh, what to say. We don't know what to do. We're stuck. And God says, worship me. Worship me. It will not change the situation, but God will work. And as we worship God, we're really expressing this trust that he will work 
on our behalf. There's these times when we have no words. At, at my church in Cebu, um, I gave a sermon had to do with Christmas. I'll share some stuff with that later. Uh, but basically, I talked about um, God gives us a song. And so at, at our church, um, we, have a so- we have a songwriting contest for our Christmas party. So everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people get involved and they write a little song. It's not really about who wins, but it's really just a, a point of getting people to get involved and engaged and sharing, um, you know, what God is doing in their lives. And um, as we had this songwriting contest, one of the, uh, one of the girls with the Good Shepherd, um, her name is Mari Chell, um, volunteered uh, to, to write a song. And um, Mari Chell... Um, obviously was in a was trafficked uh, and you know in a very abusive situation and still struggles with the trauma in fact she shared with me that every single day to get up to go out of the house to go to school she experiences an intense fear she's a high introvert but for some reason when it comes to music she has the courage to stand up and say I'm gonna try and life has been hard for her and many things are difficult but she says, I'm going to try. And here's just a little piece. It's in Tagalog, so I don't even... Uh... And the lyric at the beginning of that is... Lord, even when I can't see you. And music gives expression to things in life that we cannot see, things in life that we cannot describe. The first song today, those words, indescribable. There's things in life that our words can't put to what our experiences are, what our struggles are, what our pains are. But music somehow expresses the emotion of our soul. This is Gerilyn, who's also in our school this year. Uh, she celebrated her 18th birthday um, while she's in, in Good Shepherd, and they uh, had a debut party for her. Um, so they invited her family. And this is kind of a mixed bag because girls in this situation, part of the problem is a dysfunctional family. There's abandonment, there's lack of care, there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And so in the midst of this celebration, which has great joy, her 18th birthday and a lot of fanfare, but there's also kind of these mixed emotions of struggle with family, of struggle with pain. And in the midst of that, God is working. And in the midst of that, music speaks to our soul that God is doing something. And at the end of that time, Gerilyn's not real expressive, but she's thanking God that he has given her the opportunity, that he's put her in this place, and that he is helping her. As we worship, God also fills us with joy. David describes this in Psalm 16, that he fills us with joy in his presence. So as we worship God, all of these things are going on. And this is why God has given us music to worship. I want to share with you some songs that have spoken to me. Um, 
Paul tells us to speak to one another in spiritual songs. Well, uh, these are songs that have, I would say, other people have spoken to me. And may, I didn't really know the author of the song per se, but someone has sung that song at a time and a place that has ministered to me. There's a song uh, by Phillips, Craig, and Dean that I, I didn't listen to them. I didn't know their name. I just heard it on the radio growing up, and I grew up a long time ago. We had cassette tapes, so I recorded that song off the radio and listened on my cassette tape. And the lyrics of this song, it, he, uh, he narrates the, the prodigal son kind of in the first person. And he talks about God running. And he says, the only time I saw God run is when he ran to me. He took me in his arms, held my head to his chest. And he said, my child, come home again. He lifted my head, wiped, his tears from my, wiped my tears from my eyes. He said, my child, you know I still love you. Can you play this one here? A little clip here. And the only time, the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me. He took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, said, My son's come home again, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes. So the narration of that song, those, those words spoke to me at a time when I was in high school and growing in my relationship with the Lord. And whenever I hear those words, it really takes me to that place. Another song that um, has stuck with me, very popular song still, the time that, um, and the lyric that impacted me greatly, we were at Winter Nationals, and it was uh, just a couple weeks after um, the tsunami had struck Indonesia. And Ray Lee and some other people from our district, I don't remember if it was an all Long Island worship team or a mix, but they led worship. And they sang still, and the lyrics that struck out to me, um, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know that you are God. And, you know, the news of that tsunami and the tremendous pain and suffering that so many people were going through and praying and just realizing that God is in control. Can you play that? There was a line from a Petra song narrating the crucifixion. It says they searched his is talking of Jesus as the, the crowd looking upon him. They searched his ang his face for anger, for vengeance in his stare. Instead of eyes that burned with hate, a look of love was there. All those around were looking for that reaction of spite from Jesus, but Jesus loved to the end even those who abused him. There's many songs that have spoken to me throughout my life. Um, as a parent, there's times when um, my children have, I don't know, gotten in trouble or something's gone wrong. And when my children do something wrong, they put their head down. And 
I'm a, I'm a talker, so I want to talk to them, but I don't like to talk to them when they're not looking at me, right? So I want to get their head up, but they don't want to put their head up. And they don't want to put their head up because they're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they're hurt, and their head is down. And there's a verse in Psalm that's been put into a chorus. It says, Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're my glory, the lifter of my head. And those lyrics have spoken to me at those times in life when my head is down, when I have screwed up, when I have made a mess, when I have not kept my word, when I have hurt someone that I've loved. And those lyrics, thou, O Lord, you are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. You are the one who will lift my head. That When I am embarrassed and ashamed, that you want to lift my head, to look me in the eye and to speak words to me. Those lyrics have meant so much to me. Even growing up, I grew up kind of in an old-fashioned church that we sang lots of hymns, all hymn books and all that stuff. And the song, In the Garden, speaks of having an intimate relationship with God. I come to the garden alone in the morning while the dew is still on the roses. And the chorus, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. As a little kid growing up at the church, you know, and it's old-fashioned music and all that stuff. But those lyrics meant something to me. Those words sunk deep in my heart. And there's many songs that have been spoken to me over the years. Um, some of you know I, I, the song Awesome God that um, I like. And I, um, God actually gave me um, motions for that song. And the, the ironic part about it, if you don't know me, I am like the most un... Um, Rhythm, unmotion, un like I don't do anything like that, all right? And so, but God gave me these motions to that song, and it really became something that I used in my youth ministry in the Philippines and different places, and um, God, God gave that to me. So these songs point me and take me to times and places and remind me of what God has done in my life. And it seems that when we meet Jesus, that something is stirred within us. If you look at the narrative of the Christmas story, Everyone has a song. Have you ever noticed that? The angels have a song. Mary has a song. Zacharias, Simeon, everyone has this response and this reaction to Jesus. And it seems that when we come into contact with the living Christ, there, there's something that goes on inside of us that gives rise to a song. This is a friend of mine, and she posted this on Facebook. I didn't even look at the data. It was a while ago. But... A little of her story, she, uh, she studied in the city at LaGuardia, and she leads some worship at her church now, but she had uh, surgery on her throat. And she said this, eight months since my vocal nerve has been cut, the doctor said it will be some years for my voice to recover after she cut it. I'm still waiting for God to heal my voice and restore my sound. But what, when worship is who you are, it's not the sound that God is looking for, it's your heart. And she uh, sings a little here. You can play this. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy. All together wonderful to me. I'll never 
So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together So as we think of sharing a spiritual song, I want to give you some ideas about a spiritual song. One is a spiritual song has a, an element of a story. And a story has a strange effect of making something that might be familiar and stale and old new again. People who are good storytellers, you can sit and listen for hours because they have the ability to captivate us. And music works the same way. It takes old, familiar truths and makes them new again. A song like Amazing Grace goes to the core of our Christian theology that God saved us by grace. And it takes that core belief, the theology, which, you know, can be stale and old and defined in a theology class, and makes it new and gives it a life to us. It gives depth and meaning to our struggle. In life, we face pain and hurt. And music can give expression to what we're experiencing. How many wonderful songs have been birthed out of someone's tremendous pain and suffering? Someone bore a tremendous pain, a tremendous hurt, but we have benefited from their song. Music comes from that depth of emotion. A spiritual song is a testimony. It's a story. It tells something about me. It's not just a song about theology. It's not just a song about God, but it says something about me. Uh, Fanny Crosby wrote a, a famous hymn, Blessed Assurance. Fanny Crosby was blind um, as a, from an infancy. And in Blessed Assurance, she writes lyrics like this. Missions, visions of rapture now burst on my sight, watching and waiting, looking above. And here she is, a blind lady, describing it and giving voice to what God is doing in her heart. That she has this belief and this, this hope that God will restore her sight. And that she will see again. And it's not just a song that we sing but we join in her testimony. So I'm going to ask you to, um, I've just shared with you a few songs of mine. And hopefully, my, my hope and prayer is that it, it stirred in you some songs, like maybe you're thinking of a song. So I would like to ask you to take a minute or two and to share with someone around you a lyric of a song that is spoken to you. A song, a song that has meant something in your spiritual journey. A song that takes you to a certain place. Maybe a song that, that um, reminds you of a mountaintop experience with God. Or a, a song that reminds you of a time that when you were, you were faced with tremendous struggle. So I'm going to ask you just to take a minute, group of two or three people, and to, uh, to share. And this is really doing, the scripture says, speak to one another in songs, right? So I'm just saying, let's do it instead of me talk about it, all right? 
So go ahead and share with one or two people around. And if you don't have one, you can just listen to someone else share, all right?